What story are you telling? Whether you're intentional about it or not, you have an audience and they think in story. The Doug Thompson podcast features diverse storytellers sharing their practical tips for telling the story they need others to envision and trust in order to take a new action. Here's your host, Doug Thompson. Hi, and welcome to another pre-release to season four episode of the Doug Thompson podcast. My guest today, Elaine Belson, is running for Congress in New York, and I wanted to get it out for the primaries so we could get that out. But we had some really great conversations here, and the story is basically, you know, two people can come from sort of different sides of the spectrum. Well, for example, an R and a D by your name of political affiliation, and you don't have to hate each other. You can learn something from it. You can really have a, a great discussion. I think you'll learn that we have a lot more in common than we do not. The discussion went from how she went from theater major to ended up being an executive uh, officer in Af- Afghanistan, helping to soldier out with some social work and some therapy, to she'll be soon launching a podcast. Just We had some really great conversations, and it, a lot of the story boils down to the inner conflict we have with ourselves. So it, we may think the somebody that disagrees with us is, you know, we're having this battle with ourselves. It's not so much the other person. Because a lot of the times our feelings on on things are, you know, 51, 49, we lean one direction. And it's really the battle that we're having with ourselves because we're not 100% sure that this is the right way. We have some feelings which are unrecognized. They cause a lot of stress, a lot of struggle, and a lot of this argument that goes on. So, you know, using somebody else as a proxy for arguing with yourself, trying to convince yourself the 51% is 100% right. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation that we have in this pre-release episode of the Doug Thompson Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Doug Thompson Podcast. I am your host, the Doug Thompson. Not to be confused with just any old other Doug Thompson. But today I have the honor of, of talking with Elaine Belson. Elaine, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So uh, Elaine and I uh, met, we have this podcaster hookup site. <laughs> <laughs> my my it sent my daughter into a panic when she saw the name of that the first time she thought I was having having an affair exactly. or something. I said yes. no. So <laughs> anyway, but it but it is it's matchmaker.fm. So it does have sort of that misleading uh a website. But but uh we, we connected on that and it's a really interesting conversation because at the time we met, you're running for Congress. Tell That's us a little correct. bit about yourself, where you're at, what's going on. With that, um, well, my I told myself when I decided to run that it was going to be unconventional because there was no point in me repeating what it is that I think is creating part of the problem, right? Um, we complain a lot about how much money there is in politics, but then we keep going about it the same way. And I think so many people are tuned off or tuned out from politics in general because of that, um, because I think we reinforce that passivity, voter passivity, by focusing on uh, making it making it easy for us to uh, to to have to go to them, right? So there's a lot of focus on advertising and um, you know reaching out through. Um, social media, and, and there's very little 
uh, encouragement, or even I think to some extent there needs to be some confrontation of voters. Uh, you know, people uh, think back on JFK's famous words, you know, ask not what you can do for your country, what you're, what you're in a, you can, what your country, mm -hmm. yeah. ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country, no, the other way around, sorry. Ask <laughs> not what your country can do for you, what you can do for your country. There we go. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, a, those iconic words are uh, often talked about with admiration, but you never hear politicians repeating it. In fact, um, just the other day, I was listening to Senator Ben Sass talking about the importance of what's going on in Ukraine, Ukraine and how Americans need to pay attention to that. But in the same breath, he's talking about, you know, I understand that people are busy and they're, they're, you know, involved in their own things and we can't expect them, you know, necessarily to be paying attention. Yes, I think we should be expecting them to be paying attention. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Um, and I'm just astonished how even within my practice, you know, when I talk to patients about it, how little they do know what's going on. Yeah, you're, you're a trained, you have a degree in, in uh, psychology, correct? You're a therapist. And I know you spent some time in the military um, doing so. so give us a little bit of your background there. Then we'll come back and revisit because there was, there was a couple of things I want to touch on in what you just right. said. Well, I think as I had mentioned uh, when I reached out to you, um, I actually started out as a theater major. <laughs> um, and um, I took uh, Psych 101 and I fell in love. And... Uh, from there, I have um, deviated a few times. Um, I got involved in politics and took some time off between um, undergraduate and graduate school. Uh, so I got my bachelor's in psychology. Then I, I did some work, uh, I worked, uh, did an internship uh, and, uh, and uh, did a job on the Hill. So then um, I got, I missed the clinical. So I went into um, social work. I got a bachelor's, I'm sorry, a master's in social work because it marries the two really well. It's as equally interested in policy as it is in the clinical side. And then after I got my degree, I actually had a sewing business for a year and I started dabbling in to design um, and then uh, children's book writing. And uh, finally, went back into the clinical full-time and I've pretty much stuck with that. So, oh, oh, I forgot the most important thing. When I was 42, I joined the army. <clears throat> you know, I say some people, when they go through midlife crises, they get a sports car, I joined the army. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you were joining um, it when most people were getting out. And it was an out. incredibly rewarding experience. I got to be the executive officer or XO for all of medical command in Afghanistan. Nice. That's nice. And, and your, your skills and stuff that you had were much needed at the time. So again, you, t you have an interesting hero's journey already with sort of the uh, byways that you took to get where you're at today. But you talk about, you know, going back to that quote of JFK, and, and I saw in the news today, and I keep seeing it over here, is the there was a story of a young man that had been living in Poland, grew up in, in Ukraine. He was a Ukrainian uh, citizen. And as all these people are coming out of Ukraine into Poland, they interviewed his girlfriend. He was heading back. And you see all the people there that are doing stuff for the country because they you know, truly they are putting 
the country and the betterment, um, and, and it's broader than themselves. They're not the country here is the body of people that have a shared vision for the way they want to live life. Is the way that I would describe it. And and we used to have that here to, you know, to a much better, ex, much larger extent than we do now, where you know half the you know half the country just assumed divorce the other half. <laughs> I mean that's. So sort of, sort of what it comes up to be. Right. And- but, but, you know, um, to a large extent, you know, um, I think mental health folks, um, you know, we have a different perspective about the political landscape. A lot of this is just human nature. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So take the vaccine. Um, if you were to ask people who are, Uh, fervently pro-vaccine, have they ever uh, sped on the highway? Well, you know, that is a danger to themselves and a danger to those around them. And they may have a very good reason for doing it. Um, The reality is, is that people are driven much more by emotion than they are by reason. And we keep trying to reach each other through reason. Um, and one of my, my favorite expressions, I have a lot of them you'll find, is people have good reasons for making bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, we can so justify just about anything. We can, we can sort of come along and justify all the stories we tell ourselves. Well, what, what I mean by that is that most of the time we, we um, were driven by emotion and we all pretty much share the same emotions, right? We just have different solutions, quote unquote solutions for how to to resolve those feelings. Um, And also the other uh, expression is uh, chocolate or vanilla ice cream, that's easy. But most things in life we have mixed feelings about. So what often happens is when you see people acting irrationally, it's because they're ignoring some of their feelings um, because either they're um, uncomfortable or because the other feeling is that much more compelling. And so very rarely is it about us versus them or me versus you. It's really about what I call you versus you. It's about if, if you look inward and you pay attention to all of your feelings, right, you will find a uh, reasonable compromise. I truly believe that emotions are a survival mechanism. Just like we experience pain in our bodies, we experience uncomfortable feelings for the same reason. They're there to let us know that there's a need that's not being met, a threat you know, um, that we're ignoring, uh, et cetera. And so if you pay attention to all of your needs, all of your feelings, you will achieve balance, which we know balance is the way to um, happiness, right? Is to have a balanced life. Yeah. And do you, you know, I, I think when you talk about the vaccine and all that, and, and a lot of this comes down I think to fear, which seems to be the Trump emotion. Well, not, I mean, Trump's everything else. <laughs> Excuse me, I've used a trigger word for some people, but um, you know, it's the emotion that sort of overcomes that. It's a flight or you know, fight or flight. 
And and I think when we when we the you know virus first came out, we just didn't know, but we did see a lot of people getting packed. I mean, it was it was a very scary time. So we were willing to sort of put, you know, if you're talking about you're arguing with yourself, some of us were going to say, okay, look, I will do anything just so I don't have to, um, you know, suffer or, or have one of my family exactly. suffer something like that. But, but now it gets to the point where as we know a little bit more about what goes on and I had the vaccine, uh, you know, I didn't, haven't had to boost yet, but I caught COVID. I caught, um, the Omicron. I think my wife and I did that just before Christmas. Um, but it was, I've had colds caught it way back before there was a vaccine. Yeah. But I mean, we had it, but it was not effective against that. And if you go back to sort of some rational thought about how viruses well, I think it was work, considered to be effective, it just, um, not, not against Omicron as it found out. So, but you know, anyway, you know, again, I don't want to get into, this is, gets into that sort of medical science, which right. I'm not capable of, of, uh, you know, I, right. I, I read, but I am not a doctor. I don't play when I didn't sleep at a holiday Inn last night. So I, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, right. you know, so, but to the point is that, you know, we know now more about it. So isn't it, wouldn't it be more rational to sort of let yourself learn for yourself, find out the information and make an educated decision about that. And, and then, you know, that's your decision. That's your personal type. And I think we all hate, you know, with the human nature, or at least in the U.S., is that and when somebody tells us to do something, my initial reaction is to do the opposite. <laughs> just simply, I mean, well, well, maybe I this just, is a good idea. I just idea. think that that's not how people are motivated. I mean, I've been doing this work for 29 years, and it's very rare that I give advice. Um, what I tell people is I like to empower them to make their own decisions, right? And so what we do um, is ask questions. There's two things that, that I do basically. It's um, help people to gain insight and then help them to problem solve um, and give them skills or teach them new skills for problem solving. So, you know, I have faith that people are capable of making good decisions. I believe that we all have that, most of us um, have that ability. It's just a matter of tapping into it. So that's what I mean by, for example, um, the whole um, chocolate or vanilla ice cream, you know, uh, if you help people to gain insight into themselves and to realize, um, you know, yes, I have fear. Um, I have fear of the vaccine, but I also have fear of getting sick. And I also have fear of getting people sick around me. I care about the people around me. Um, and so, you know, it's a matter of taking into account all of those feelings, but, but not telling people how to think or uh, doing the thinking for them, but helping them to figure out a solution based on all of their feelings. And, and that's another reason why I think we get into a lot of arguments, you know, on a, a both on a personal level, but also on, on a social level, is because we get fixated on solutions instead of focusing first on identifying the problem and then thinking about what are the different options that we have open to us. Yeah, I, that's, you know, and, and 
I, I, what I hear you saying in, in the way I would put it in my own words is you're helping people, you're giving them the tools to tell their own story, work it out and figure it out for themselves. Cause I think that's what a lot, a lot of us lack is the ability to sort of create our own stories or, or thinking that, let me think this through. Cause, cause, exactly. it, cause if we can do that, everything in our mind is, ends up being a story. That's how we relate to it. You know, facts play into that, of course, but we have to play this movie out in our head. We have to play, you know, and, and I think too often now to turn this back to politics, if you will, mostly as I see are trying to tell us how to think are triggering that side of the brain that says, okay, well, look, I'm thinking for you. And this is what all you need to know, rather than sort of looking at all sides of the issue and well, what's going on and then you work it out for yourself, right? It's called start where the client is. Mm -hmm. I, I do that when I, when I do a presentation. I start my story where the audience is. So they have a frame right. of reference. And so, you know, they're coming into you and what might seem obvious to you is not obvious to them because it's like you say, they have to get there on their own. You know, I mean, everyone who is a parent can appreciate this, right? You know, you can't do the learning for your kids, right? Sometimes they have to learn on their, you know, themselves, yeah. right? So it's, it's that same kind of idea. Um, and... The other thing is that we have, we call it, um, this is kind of a fancy term, but it's called ego dystonic. When you try to tell somebody something that they're not, they don't see themselves, right? Then they're going to naturally push back because you're, you know, you're five steps ahead of them. And you, this is what we assume in our culture. Um, I am going to tell you this really logical thing, reasonable thing, I'm going to give you these facts or this really logical argument or this really impassioned speech. And you're going to go, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's not the way human beings will operate. Right. And that's the mistake that we keep making over and over again. And, you know, getting back to the original question, which is, you know, why did I decide to run for Congress? It's, it's that we don't know how to communicate with people in a way that you know, is going to um, empower them and and uh, also to, um, you know, to motivate them. Yeah. So I, I would, I, I'll take a little more um, negative viewpoint. So I'll play the, the bad guy here in that they know exactly what they're trying to do to get us to think, to keep themselves empowered and to keep going on. You oh. mentioned that Stinny Hoyer, you've yes, been in there for this Yes, some yes and some no, yes. Yeah, but, you know. We, Absolutely. They get some in, of it is manipulative. And it was meant to, I, there was a story, I was listening to Mike Rowe, and he's sort of telling this story about George Washington, who was a reluctant leader that came in, and all he wanted to do was get back to farming. And he, after the second, he said, look, you guys got to handle this yourself. I'm going back to farm. And that's the way the original thing was designed, is it's not a permanent fixture. This is not your career. There should be some place that you go to serve, and with serve becomes a certain burden that goes along with it. That you have that you know again, this is sort of for the betterment and the love of the country. That you go in, you do this job, you get the hell out, go back out and do something else. And I think that's you know you're touching into that. They know exactly what they're saying because it keeps them in power, keeps them elected, and you know that's all they have to do. Rather than having a discussion to try to move the ball forward, to quote. A friend right. of mine, Jennifer Garrett. Well, you know, you could even argue um, power, greed, corrupt, all of that is, those are, yeah, absolute again, power solutions. <laughs> yeah. What is it that they're really lacking? Yeah. You know, I, when I hear about, you know, uh, some of these um, 
white collar criminals, you know? And, and I just think to myself, how sad is that? That you don't know how to make yourself happy, that you would get yourself so deep into trouble that, you know, I, I, to me, it's just, it's just sad. Yeah. And it, and it comes back into the stories again, the stories we're telling ourselves that get sort of get us on the right or wrong track. And it's not that they're, we're, we're not all, all the stories aren't necessarily good or bad. They're there and you have to sort of determine which way the, the you take the story. Right. Um, and no, it, there is no, there is no bad. It's it, th- there is no good or bad feeling. It's just how you cope with your feelings that determine whether it's, problematic or not um you know in terms of storytelling um i have always regarded my work as being a witness to a person's story everybody has a story and i feel privileged that i'm the one that gets to hear it Um, i'll tell you a little funny aside so back when jimmy kimmel first was advertising his show he did this promo where he took a desk and he was like rolling it around the city of New York. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. Somebody's going to interview everyday people on the street. That's what I thought this was going to be. So I was so disappointed when it turned out to be just, you know, another nighttime talk show. But that's the way I feel. Everybody has a story that's worth telling, you know, and the fact that we, um, you know, we, we put these celebrities on a pedestal as though their story is more special than anybody else's, I think is, is part of, I think, uh, a problem in our culture. Yeah. I think we're idolizing the wrong people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it should be the everyday person going down the street that's has that discussion with themselves, you know, goes out and is doing things for the, for the better of everybody, including themselves. That include you know, that doesn't necessarily need to exclude yourself, but you know, I, uh, I appreciate, you know, it, it's great to have, cause you know, if, if some people would have stopped this conversation because I live in, you know, Texas in, in one of the red areas, you know, and I, I'm, I, I'm very much more that way, more of my friends and stuff, but you know, the R's and D's today aren't supposed to talk to each other. They're supposed to call each other names and just, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're on the other side. And that's really, I think what brings us all down is it gets to be where it's one side against the other. You're, if you, distill it down to your, the story you're telling yourself, a good one and a bad or the emotions we're telling ourselves. We're both feeding the bad emotions as it seems like, as opposed to sitting down and having a reasonable conversation. When I was lived in Seattle, um, I, I rode, we training for Ironman triathlon. So you get spend a lot of time with the people you train with. And I used to spend six, seven hours on a weekend with a friend of mine who was, well, my brother was a triathlete. Yeah. Yep. He was a totally opposite of the political spectrum that I was, but we would have such yeah. good dialogues over the thing. And at the end of the day, we were both better off for it because we were both better educated. We could sort of, again, that the more education we get about all sides of this, the better we are at making the right decision with our story and the emotions. And I think you, right. you sort of hit upon that. Right. And we all need to take responsibility for the way we communicate, you know, um, and that includes the media as well. Um, they've been woefully bad at that, but that gets back down to the, to the, uh, blood cell or whatever, you know, the front, the front page leads things. So, um, I think the Eagles had it well, right with dirty laundry. I, um, <laughs> I have this, um, model it's, it's 15 principles of communication and that, um, grew out of years of, of working with people, um, and seeing the same patterns over and over again. 
And so that gives you an idea about how complex communication is, that there are actually 15 different principles that I came up with. Um, but one of them is um, uh, you can win the battle, but lose the war. And that's what we're so focused on winning the battle that we're missing the bigger picture. You know, and when I work with couples, you know, I'll tell them that you can keep arguing, but in the end, what you're doing is you're undermining your relationship. And that's what we're doing. That's what Congress is doing. That's what society is doing. Yeah, I, I go back to one of the parts of triathlon is swimming is the most difficult for most people. And one, because humans aren't supposed to be in the water. Our natural instincts get the hell out. You're not supposed to be in here. You don't have gills. And Terry Laughlin came up with this. Um, he, he taught swimming. He, he's a... Uh, uh, he talks to me and basically it was how to not fight the water. How to, how to uh, accept if you're going to the good and bad, okay, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to do this, but there's ways that I don't have to struggle. If you watch the best swimmers, it looks effortless to them because they've learned not to fight the water. And I, and I think too often we get caught up in that fighting the water as opposed to saying, okay, is there a better way to do that? This is the battle in the war. The war is finishing the swim without, dying <laughs> to, to do that. And, and we, you know, we fight that urge to get out. And a lot of people, that's what they, right. when they have a, this. exactly. I mean, if you go back to what I was saying before, you know, people will fight uncomfortable feelings, right? They'll, they'll either bottle them up or they'll um, try to talk themselves out of them rather than leaning into it and understanding that they're trying to tell you something. Um, one of another one of my expressions is sometimes you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, it's definitely. It's a part yeah. of life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I call it. So, I call it embracing the suck. Because <laughs> because there were some training exactly. times where it just sucked, and you just had to to get better. Exactly. You had to go through it. So. Well, you know, human beings are we're control freaks. We yeah. don't like feeling out of control. You know, and that's where the, the a lot of the anxiety and depression comes from, is from feeling out of control. And when you fight that, you make yourself even more anxious and more depressed. Yeah, it, it does. That's the thing. When you start fighting the water, you have the same problem. That's where people start drowning as they start fighting the water as opposed to realizing all they got to do is turn their back and, and they float if you, if you do it right. So speaking of the control type thing, so you're taking this a totally different angle here. You're going to sort of join the podcaster club, I understand. Yes. Well, it, it's actually something that I've been thinking of for a while. Um, I, are you familiar with Podcast Movement, the, the um, organization? I, I am not. I may get banned now. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. Um, it's, they call it PodMob for short. Um, they're great. Um, organization. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's really um, interesting about podcast people, podcasters, I guess, um, is they're a lot like in mental health, you know, they're not competitive with one another, they support each other, they try to help each other out. Um, so anyway, yeah, there was, uh, I went to the PodMob conference in 2020. Um, and I was seriously thinking about doing it. I was working with someone, a uh, mentor on doing that. Um, but uh, it, it, as you know very well, it's a lot of work. Yes. Yes, so, it is. Um, so I kind of uh, deviated and I was going to focus on writing instead. Um, 
And uh, so, but uh, I found um, someone who's willing to help me. So Excellent. It, it's a lot to do by yourself. It, it is a lot. You have to really, I was talking to somebody else about it. I did a sort of a behind the scenes video for my company. So I have the company podcast too. And sort of all the things that's involved with it. And it was all like, if you did it time, you know, it was 10 minute video because they went through a, here's how we're recording, setting up, here's the equipment, you know, having the conversation, then editing the audio piece of that and then producing it and all the other things. So it does do that. Um, I, I like, you know, at some point in time, I will probably offload some of that stuff and just let me talk. Cause that's the best part of it. Cause I had to meet interesting people like you and have great discussions and learn more about that. So what you said, you had a link to where your podcast is going to be and all that, I believe, or the website for it? Well, um, the title of it is going to be, it's more complicated than you think. The title is, or that's the title? That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> it's more like complicated that. than you think. Um, I can uh, dig up the, uh, we, we just, uh, I just started, so I'll have to give you the link. So Elaine, thanks a lot. Um, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes for your podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, getting out there and getting the message out. Maybe it'll get some of these politicians thinking a little bit differently for that, I hope. And uh, good luck in, in your podcast and, and what you're doing. And thank you again for your service and helping you know, what you did over there as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. 